Listeners, start your engines. Detours episode 56. Rob here. On this episode, Kai Yanis joins us to discuss 2007's Knocked Up and its sort of sequel, 2012's This Is 40, for a very special reason, which we will get to very early on in the episode. As always, you can find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and other podcatchers, as well as CrookedTable.com. Go ahead and give us a rating and review wherever you're listening to this episode. For now, let's listen to a little bit of the trailers for Knocked Up and This is 40, and then we'll jump right into our conversation about 2007's Knocked Up and its sort of sequel, 2012's This is 40. How did this happen? This is a disaster. Aren't you supposed to be married to have a baby? You should be, because they love each other, and people who love each other get married and have babies. Do you love each other? We should really just try to get to know each other and give this a real shot. Okay, I know we didn't plan this, but I'm on board. (laughs) Yay! This summer... Is this freaking you out that we're shopping for baby clothes? No, I'm just pretending I'm shopping for regular clothes and I'm a giant. (laughs) What do you think of him? He's funny, right? Fetch. All right, bring it back. He's playing fetch with my kids. Go get it! Fetch! He's treating my kids like they're dogs. Universal Pictures presents... Marriage is like an unfunny version of Everybody Loves Raymond. Should we have sex tonight? Ugh. But it doesn't last 22 minutes. It lasts forever. I'm just really constipated. Do you really want to? Well, now... Knocked up. I've made a list. It's the do-better list. We're 40 years old. If we don't do it now, when are we going to do it? Your eyes are kind of glazing over. No, I'm just, I'm processing it all. We have to exercise every day. I have turned your body into a boner machine. Everyone gives you a boner. Don't sell yourself short. Barb doesn't give me a boner. We have to get more involved in school. Your son said some offensive things about my daughter. Oh, really? You better get her meds right. Excuse me? Your kid is an animal. He insults my daughter again. I'm so sorry. You touched my nipple. I got right below your shoulder. I have very high nipples. We have to have more patience with the kids. We have decided to cut back on all of the electronics we use. What? You need to get outside more. You could build a fort. Do what in the fort? You need to develop your imagination. You don't need technology. No technology. Charlotte, put that down. We're in it together. We're a team. Welcome to Franchise Detours, where we believe no movie series travels in a straight line. On this episode, we are back on... Posting this episode on my 40th birthday and thereby continuing a tradition that I've done on these shows, which is if a release date coincides with my birthday, I make it some kind of a special choice. I think I've done Roger Rabbit, Who Friend Roger Rabbit, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, and a couple other things on my birthday. And so in keeping with the Judd Apatow theme, this episode we're going to be talking about 2007's Knocked Up. And coincidentally enough, 2012's This Is 40, and I'm honored to welcome back to the show, Kai Yanis. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, everyone. Happy to be back. 
So tell people who you are, I guess, and why I picked you for this episode. Um, so I am Rob's wife, his love of, his, love of his life, um, his soulmate, and a frequent um, guest on either Close Watch or Franchise Detours. A lot, lot lately, Franchise Detours. And I was selected for this special episode because just a few days ago, I turned 40. Uh, Rob and I are five days apart, same year. Isn't that amazing? I'm, st- I'm still not, as of this recording, I'm still not 40. I'm still 39. So I, it, it, we've been together tw- um, 12, 12 years. years. Yeah. We and saw this movie together in the movie We theater. saw this movie, we did. Yeah, this was our first Apato together. I believe so, yes. Yes. And we only saw two, actually. We only saw this in Trainwreck, and then we didn't see the rest. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, uh, because I'm always, because I'm five days younger than Kai, I always take full advantage of that and mess with her, uh, especially on milestone, milestone birthdays like this one. Um, and I should also mention that we just came back from a trip so if I, if we sound a little jet la- jet lagged, see like right there, uh, it's because I think we're st- I'm still adjust. I'll speak for myself. I'm still adjusting to a normal sleep schedule, which I never really had before. Anyway, so I, don't, I know I don't, that's why I'm, I'm using it. It's a good excuse for like, whoa, I'm so tired. But it will because of the two time difference. Will run out though. They will eventually. Uh, but it was a really great trip. We went to Los Angeles. We met up with Jackson Smith, frequent guest of this show. Uh, in person for the first time, and so he, he might be coming back to this podcast in the coming months. Uh, and yeah, it was really fun. It was it was a needed, much needed break. Yeah, I went to see the Groundlings with some other friends of ours that live out there, um, and that was a great fun. It got me inspired to do improv again, improv classes, um, not like stand up or anything. I not. Not which, is, which you would think stand, you would think improv would be scarier because you're flying by the seat of your pants, whereas stand up is you have a prepared kind of you have prepared bits and you like have a set list of I'm gonna say this then I'm gonna say this then I'm gonna say this and you have to react to the crowd a bit, but if, rather than improv you're like ah, I don't know what I'm doing like that seems but, like it would be scarier. But you know? I but I feel like in a class with people is less pressure, and there's more support than doing a stand-up, doing stand-up like an open mic night where you but don't know any of those people and they're you can, expecting you to be funny. Stand-up you can practice more. Improv you can practice the skills, but you, but you practice can't improv- practice the material. But what if you practice your material in front of a person that just laughs at everything? Yeah, that's true. And then meanwhile you were doing an open mic night in front of a per- front of an audience member like myself who doesn't really laugh well, at that's, anything. That's why out loud. that's why both stand up and improv and this is actually kind of relevant to this to the movies yeah, we're talking about. It is actually uh, that's why people that do both skills just like even in stand up uh, when we were in LA a lot of big comedians were sort of rolling through uh, when we were leaving the comedy store and the laugh factory and places like that because even if you're established you have to sort of keep that you know keep that keep your mind sharp keep those you know Keep, keep up, stay up on your game uh, a bit. So, yeah, I don't know. It's They're both very, very uh, intimidating for me, and I'm in awe of, of people that can do them well. Lately, we've gotten into Taylor Tomlinson on the stand-up side. I've, been, I've had this George Carlin box set forever. I just started watching again uh, the other night when I was not sleeping like a normal person. Um, but, yes, and, and as far as Apatow's concerned, 
his movies are very improv heavy. I think you can sort of feel that in his films a bit. So before before we we get into the specifics of these movies, what was going into Knocked Up and uh, This Is Forty? What was your what was your history with uh, with Judd Apatow and his particular style of comedy? This is not only this is uh, not only the Forty Year Old Virgin, Virgin being his directorial debut, but then also like producing Anchorman and all the other things like that. What is your what was short of your first foray foray into the Apatow style, I guess. Well, um, I first saw Four-Year-Old Virgin a little bit after it came out. My dad burned me a copy on DVD of that movie, and I eventually watched it maybe a year or so after it came out. And I'm like, okay, this is fine. So that was the first Peter. So that was the first one, which was his first one. Yeah. And then me, my sister, and a friend of ours went to go see Knocked Up in the movie theater and I just remember just laughing laughing out loud first of all and just it was I considered it hysterical um, especially the scenes with um, Catherine Heigl's character and Leslie Mann's character at the nightclub you know the outside Craig Robinson yeah scene. like that was so funny to me and yeah and then I didn't see another Judd, Judd Apatow until we saw This Is 40 together had you seen like Anchorman and the oh right Anchorman Super Bad I guess was See, the same I year as, as Knocked about Up Anchorman. I just mentioned Anchorman. I know I know I, I, um, I saw I did see Anchorman on DVD as well because everybody was talking about this movie back yeah. when it first came out in the movie theater everybody's talking about it and like quoting it and I didn't know I knew, I heard the movie Anchorman but I didn't know it was a reference to I more was focused on Dodgeball that's what I. That was like my 2004 summer movie was Dodgeball, and um, so I finally got to to Anchorman, and I at that time and at this and still I still think that movie is overrated. It's an acquired um, taste. Yeah, I like it's, I like it, but I, mean, I don't. It's fine. I just think it's I just think it's I, overrated, and overhyped. I've seen it like a few times. First time I hated it. Second time I loved it. Third time I was kind of middling, and now I'm sort of split the difference and being like, no, I, I, I guess I do really like this kind of... Um, but it's, it's funny because Apatow has had sort of a... had set sort of an evolution in the late 90s, early 2000s doing things like... He actually wrote the movie Heavyweights, which I still haven't seen, which mm-hmm. is the kids' movie with... like a camp movie with Ben Stiller as the right, camp yeah. counselor. Uh, uh, Celtic Pride and The Cable Guy with Lizzie Mann, which oh, is where right, they met. Oh, right, yeah, right. We did talk uh, about that one. Talladega Nights and then... 2007, you know, uh, 40 Year Old Virgin was 2005, and then 2007, I think, was where he officially sort of took over Hollywood with that style of comedy between Knocked Up uh, and Superbad, and actually Walk Hard, which we uh, we need to talk about on the podcast at some point. Wait, I gotta he did Walk out. Hard? He produced Walk Hard. See, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of John Hughes. Like, John Hughes had his, direct, his yeah. director movies that had its own, that, like, feel fair. to it. Versus the ones that he like just either screen he was just a screenwriter or he was a producer. He, he's worked a lot, obviously, with uh, with Ben Stiller, with Paul Rudd, with Seth Rogen, with uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell, with um, Jason Segel. So he did like forgetting he produced forgetting Sarah Marshall, Step Brothers, uh, Bridesmaids. That's why I think he did. That's why it feels like he did more movies. Yeah, than he really yeah, directed exactly. Because they all have like had that that. Did he do Grown Ups? 
he did not do Grown Ups. That's the Sandler thing. That's a yeah. whole, that's a totally See, different. But that's that's a his, totally different style that's of comedy. One of his people though, and a totally different like comedy empire. Well, because they worked in together in Funny People, but I don't, I don't know. That, I don't know if that's one of his people. That's Funny People was more like the Sandler brand and the Apatow brand kind right. of mashed together, yeah. but which it is didn't maybe do why. That well. No, it didn't. People, some people stand, really stand up for it. I don't hate it. I think it's. I think it's. It feels like a movie that's sort of at odds with itself a bit. Yeah. Where it feels like it, whose vision is this exactly? Right. It feels like that because you have Apatow trying to do his thing with obviously with Seth Rogen and Leslie Mann. Uh, but then you also have Adam Sandler sort of still in kind of punch drunk love mode. Yes, I, I get don't know. Those movies confused sometimes. Yeah, I yeah I get it. I understand yeah. that. Um, you were talking about Superbad. Um, I remember when Superbad came out in the movie theater and every it was a big, it was a big hit and people were quoting and talking about it. But I didn't see it till you showed it to me like yeah. a year ago, two years ago. I don't know. You missed that one. I did. I don't really know if I care. Well, you thought, it was fine that it was a part of. I, that, I don't know. I like that movie. That movie's pretty fun. I like Booksmart better. Hot, hot take, hot take alert. I prefer. I think Booksmart is kind of a better movie. Overall, I think Superbad coasts along on sort of the, like, gross outs, like shock humor of it a little bit too much, uh, which neither of these movies really does. I don't think. Would you say? I mean, there's no, moments I don't think so. with the the in knocked up with like the pink eye thing and things like that. Where yeah. You're like, what the hell is this? Um, and the porn stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not... It's, it's not, not very like, explicit about it, though. Yeah. I guess it's like, yeah. Um, so we should stay, of course, Knocked Up. Huge hit in 2007. It, kind of a breakthrough movie for everybody involved. Not only, I think, cementing Judd Apatow as, uh, a, you know, a major comedic voice of the next decade, but also Seth Rogen's breakthrough role as a leading man. I think the most prominent... Uh, the most prominent comedic role for Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann, certainly for for Leslie Mann, but even Paul Rudd, like, I feel like this was sort of him then now starting to be in everything, role models and everything else, uh, kind of predating the Ant-Man of it all. Uh, Catherine Heigl also, this was like her first big jump into movies. Well, you're not not counting My Father the Hero? No, I'm not counting. She mm. was a child star. Okay, she was a movie star based on that? But she was a child star. Okay, she was also in Roswell because of that. She like wasn't a leading lady in My Father the Hero that nobody saw a, in 1994. She was already in Grey's Anatomy. Or whatever. That's what's, that's what's crazy I, that's about That's why Catherine. I said in movies. Yeah, but that's what the crazy thing is about Katherine Heigl's career. She is a child star. She started acting in a movie when she was 14. She's not even... She's not that much older than us. She's 44. Yeah. Okay, well, point stance. Okay, so what Isn't that, that crazy, mean? though? It's hard to think about that, of how long she's been in Hollywood. It was Catherine Heigl's big break, big thing into movies. She was not frontlining movies until after this. Right, I know, I'm just... Okay, you're giving me a hard time. I know, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing, I'm, I'm being... What are we, I'm, oh, oh I'm yeah, being, I'm being her, her classic female lead performances in My Father the Hero, Under Siege 2, Dark Territory... Bride of Chucky. I even I love Bride of Chucky. We've covered it on this podcast. I even forget she's in Bride of Chucky because she's just there. She's just like the the female girl. I'm, I'm being I'm being I'm like, whatever. So, but then after this was Twenty Seven Dresses, The Ugly Truth, Killers, Life as We Know It, movies that people have seen and heard of at least for the most part. <laughs> rom uh, and definitely rom com. Well, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Um, and it was over just as fast as it started. Sort of. Which we, well, why don't we just get into that? So uh, tell people the Catherine Heigl issue with this movie and her take and her grievance, I guess. So, 
she kind of started shooting herself in the foot with her career um, around after this movie was um, with the theaters and was a hit. She she said in an interview, I don't even remember who the interview show she was on when she said this, but she said that she feels like she felt like all the women in the movie were reflect, shown as shrews, while the men were all shown as like good time guys. And it was it was Vanity Fair that uh, she told this to, yeah. Yeah, and <clears throat> that of course got out to Seth Rogen and Jed Apatow, and Seth Rogen was very taken aback because he's like, uh, she didn't seem like she had a problem. Like we could have talked about this. Like I would have been nice if you know she came to us about this instead of going on an interview. So that was the first mistake. And then a little bit like a, like around that time, she also was talking about, she, she withdrew her Emmy nomination um, from Grey's Anatomy because she said that her the work just did not reflect her best. And so the TV writers took that as a, as a reflection on them and the work that they were putting out. So that was another issue. And she has recently, um, very recently, uh, been on talking with Ellen Pompeo on this actor-on-actor interview, and she was talking about how she was portrayed back then, and she feels does feel bad. She does have regrets, and she just was feeling very insecure back then and didn't know, like, had to establish boundaries and that she wished that she didn't, you know, talk about things the way that she did or even if she felt like it was necessary. So she's trying to get some, buy some goodwill back from um, Hollywood. And uh, yeah, so she, so she had that career, but it was, she got a reputation for herself pretty, pretty soon after, unfortunately. Do you think, do you think her initial, and yeah, she's kind of, some, not walked her comments back so much has been like, you know, she, she said that she told People Magazine that her motive was to encourage other women like herself to not take that element of the movie too seriously and remember that it's a broad comedy and that uh, that she's disheartened that that, it be, that her comments became the focus of her experience with the movie, which was like, was like we said, a huge career boost for her. Um, do you think that her initial comments are valid? Having now just rewatched the movie, do you think she's right? Or do you think she's, uh, I don't know, taking the movie too seriously or something? Well, I do think she's taking the movie too seriously. And, you know, I I remarked when we were watching the movie pretty much early on that I think the guys are actually portrayed as losers. <laughs> they're kind of buffoons. Yeah, like yeah. they're they're they have no it, goals. They're portrayed as lazy. They're and just like it's easy to doofuses. see it's easy to see how And the women are all successful and right. like it's it's easy to see how if the target audience of this movie is twenty something guys how she might be worried about being typecast as, you know, the stereotypical rom-com, like, I'm a busy business, busy businesswoman who's busy with business kind of thing. And she's only 28 when this movie yeah, came yeah, out, yeah. so she was, I, like, young, like, immature right. herself. So the target audience might have seen it the way that she remarked, but I don't, I mean, I don't, you you and I as mature adults, I don't, I think we're just like, yeah, this, she's so much, like, she, she's so much more put together than these idiots. And they're kind of ridiculous, and like they need to get off their ass and all this other stuff, and grow up and all this thing. I mean, if um, anybody was, per- yeah. I think if anybody was portrayed as a shrew, though, if we're gonna, oh, okay. it would be Leslie Mann's character. Yeah, yeah if we're gonna use terminology because she was it, it, the comments that she said 
to her sister about, yeah. you know, Seth Rogen's character and just, like, to her husband. I'm just like, she was, like, mean. Even now watching it as a 40-year-old mm. woman who's been married for nine years with two kids, myself, I'm just like, wow, like, just just mean and uncalled for. And, like, there's a way to communicate how you your feedback without right. being, like, just... Well, since, since we're talking about this as a franchise, I do think watching them, did we watch them? No, we watched the Knocked Up and then we started This Is 40 and then we finished it like the next day or yes. something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think a lot of that stuff that you're talking about with Debbie and Pete that's seeded in Knocked Up is built on and paid off in This Is 40. So like This Is 40 it was even re- released and billed as the sort of sequel to Knocked Up. Right, I remember. Because it's more of a spinoff than anything else, and it does kind of stand on its own, and uh, there are a, a sort of, you know, subtle references to Ben, and, and not, not really, there's not really any reference to Allison, which is weird, <laughs> considering Debbie's father is a part of This Is 40. Um, but there's, like, references to Ben, and Jody carries over, and Jason carries over, and so there's some things like that. Uh, but I think the best way in which they work in tandem is that a lot of the stuff that we were just talking about a lot like Debbie's you know sort of behavior and treatment of Pete his reaction and his their psychological state of their marriage and stuff I think does feel like it it it, you know leads into what's going on in this is 40 would you agree with that yes I do agree with that but she also Debbie was also mean to to Ben too well yeah but maybe because she was unhappy. She was. And that's the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She was just against all men. Pretty much. So as somebody, and we'll talk about this as 40 more so, as someone who, you know, has been in that situation where you're, you're becoming a parent for the first time, not in the same circumstances as they have in that movie, which is very, very uh, unique in that sense. Um, is there, did that movie, did it really resonate for you a lot? Like the whole anxiety of becoming a first time parent and... And things like that, that that oh, movie was sort of portraying. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I had less anxiety than the both of them did well, because both of our, our situation. Uh, yeah, both of our kids were planned. Yes. I guess, let's just put it that way. Yeah, and we've been married for a couple of years. Yeah. We've known each other. We've been together for a long time before that, too. Right. So, they're, so at least I knew, you know, I knew you as a partner and as a person and kind of already had but there's an idea something, what kind of father there's, you were There's something so sweet about the story, about the fact that, they, they, you know, they hooked up and she got pregnant and then they're like, all right, they're kind of doing things backwards. They're like, all right, we're pregnant. Now could we actually learn to like each other and like, and build a life? I think that's such, I, and I'm, you know, uh, Apatow has sort of a sentimentalist streak in him too and underlying a lot of these movies. Uh, I think Knocked Up is probably the best balance of that, of being like, a quote-unquote real movie and not just a, a kind of stoner comedy, but also have being funny enough to satisfy that side of it, but also having enough heart to uh, to tell a real story that's moving. Like, I got emotional a couple times watching it and things like that. I think in a lot of his other movies, he leans one way or another too hard and it becomes too self-serious, or even though I love The 40-Year-Old Virgin, and it's probably my personal favorite of his movies because people can listen to the episode of Why uh, that we did on... Crooked Table Podcast, now Close Watch feed. Um, I do think Knocked Up is probably his best movie because it strikes at 
balance in, in a way that 40-year-old virgin has aged more poorly as well, uh, in addition to everything else. I feel like Knocked Up mostly holds up. Do you, do you feel like the balance is, 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 is right? Do you feel like Knocked Up? And this is something that, you know, when we do, I, uh, we're doing an upcoming Mel Brooks Crooked Roundtable thing on YouTube, where we're going to be reviewing all his movies, uh, it bears commenting on whether or not a comedy holds up because some of the things that used to be funny are not so much funny or like we're actually kind of being more mindful of that kind of thing going forward, which I think is great. Uh, do you think Knocked Up holds up in that regard and do you think it, is it the best apatow that you, he's made? I mean, yes, I think so. Um, first reason is... You know, it made me laugh out loud. Like I said, that's very difficult for any movie or any person to do. Okay. Um, and I think the second reason why there's more of a balance and it's held up more too is that it's also more true to life. This was this was based, this was inspired by Leslie Mann and Judd Apatow's relationship and Leslie Mann's pregnancy. So, it is. It, there is an element of real life there. I don't. Well, I wouldn't say the forty-year-old virgin. Maybe there's some pieces right. of his own life, but he wasn't the forty. Well, the thing that the thing that I commented on when we were watching was it super it, bad. Is that this is so semi autobiographical on his part that the the Allison and Ben situation is inspired by his own life to a degree, but then also he's got his real wife and his real daughters. <laughs> And, and like, portraying a family dynamic where Paul Rudd is kind of the Judd Apatow stand-in. The only part of that family that's not the actual family in real life. Yeah. And um, I think the reason why... Well, it makes sense that they have all have different names because they are playing characters. characters. Yeah, there's got to be But, like, I think that, especially with This Is 40, like, the you know, they're, they're Sadie and what's the, uh, oh, the younger one's name? I forgot. Charlotte, maybe? Sadie and Charlotte versus Maud and Iris. Because he could have gone that route. Because isn't there... Um, well, is because, like, when... When... Yeah. When... Um, when Leslie... What's Leslie Mann's character? Debbie. You Debbie. keep forgetting that. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. Little Debbie makes the little the snack right, cakes a, that we grew up with. Debbie. I don't know. Okay. I had a babysitter named Debbie, too. Um, when she says... Shut up, Sadie. Like it's you know it's more acting instead of like shut up, mom. Right. That's Even, you know with the kids like, you have to at least have that separation. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. So, but yeah, it's it's I think that's the other reason is that it was actually inspired from his own life. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I I, I think Maude and oh my god Iris. Yeah. Thank you. See now I'm having the name problem. I think Maude and Iris are really good in these movies. Actually, I yeah. think they're I, I've heard floated around. At one point, he was talking about doing a movie with them, like, as the third part of this sort of trilogy. That would be fun. And I think that would be cool, especially now that Maud is... Maud, in particular, has grown up and doing theater and all this other stuff. And like, Iris is, has been in things, too. Yeah, like, more of the, I like more of them. I, I will, like that idea. I, um, and I know that she was pretty young around this time, but, like, I... And it, wor- it worked for the movie, but I didn't really feel like Maud was a very good actress, and this is 40. Like, she just... Like, it worked for the movie and the part. Oh. But she just sounded like fake 
hysterical every oh, in every run, scene. She was stressed out by, because of loss, like the rest of us were. But it just it, it just she said her time. acting was a little stilted. But you know she's like thirteen years old when she's in that role. And that's a tricky. And Iris didn't have as much to do. That's a tricky time for a young actor yeah. too, because mm-hmm. you can't coast on just being cute, but you're not a lot of for the most part not mature enough and haven't honed your skills enough to be really good at your craft. So you're just kind of like trying, but also it's not, you know what I mean? Whereas right. in the first one, Iris is just saying cute things and you're like, ah, oh, this is adorable. And, but you're not like questioning whether it's a good performance because you're blinded by the cuteness. Right. You know? Exactly. Uh, so I think that's, yeah, Maud was kind of in an interesting place there. I've also heard that um, he was talking about, this is last year, he was the develop, early development of a script called This is 50, to sort of, I guess, can, like a more of a direct sequel to This is 40, which I would be fine with that, too. I like maybe taking a different idea and focusing on a different different like milestone of life through the different characters and sort of stringing them along. Uh, well, maybe that would be what it was. Maybe it would be Mon and, you know, Sadie and Charlotte. They're not 50. They wouldn't but be 50. No, the, the parents still be you know, about, about Debbie and um, Pete. So you got Debbie, and you almost forgot Pete. I know I did, but I I, I like, brought happened? it back. Well, Paul starts with the P too, so I brought it back. There you go. And so it could be more like their telling of being empty nesters, with their and kind of having more of the story be about Sadie and Charlotte, and kind of a little bit more of a focus on them and what they're up to, and now like what Debbie and Pete are doing as empty nesters. For the, well, no, because they have they would have a ten year old or whatever, because uh, Debbie was pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Boy. Um, let's see. So, I was saying about how Knocked Up has held up, and uh, the, I think for the most part, not so bad. There was some of the, like, there were some misogynistic comments here and there. There's, like, a joke about the Taliban, things like that. But for the most part, I think it's because it's, like, personal relationship humor. I think it mostly works. Uh, as a woman, what were your, what was your reaction now, seeing the, the whole subplot about her getting pregnant at work, and Alan Tudyk and Kristen Wiig, another sort of mini breakthrough role for her. Yeah, I didn't even know who she was. Who shows up for, I had to imagine she was on set for like a day, had like 10 funny lines and then pieced out and like stole the soul every scene she was, was in. She, and she was in on SNL at this point. Yeah, she was. And like a, like a big breakout. I guess, yeah. Or probably care. early-ish in her run of SNL. Uh, so the whole, the whole conflict at work and her trying to hide the pregnancy. So how did that play? For you, as a as a professional woman in the the corporate world, I mean, it's like I'm. I think I I had forgotten that movie and how it went. Like I was really nervous that she was gonna get that get that promotion and get pregnant and then basically lose her job soon after that. I I think it might um, because with it being TV, like there's an element of vanity, but it's also I know I know like the. I know, like with um, pregnancy now, it's considered it's just it's considered a protected class. So it's like you can't really do that anymore legally. So and I didn't. So I mean, Kristen Wiig's character, um, she she was hilarious. Like she was so, so dry with her they're, delivery. They're and, talking about. Um, they're talking about. She's like, oh, it's too bad that you didn't tell us because you find out that we loved it. And she's like, people love being pregnant. And then Kristen Wiig's like, yeah, I, I, me personally, I think it's gross. You know, whatever. <laughs> I don't like that. And she's like, right? 
Yeah, and it's just like you think that she would be like more on the nurturing and supportive side as a woman. Well, she's sycophantic like to the other character. But she's she's covering her own ass. But see, and then I don't like seeing that because that's a lot of... But it's poking fun of people like that. Well, it's also written by a man, though, who right. who, who sees, who can, who, who that's how women can be perceived in the office of working with other women right. is that competition, that like backbiting. I actually, in my, in my job, I work with only women, like, like three, there's like four of us mm-hmm. and uh, like they're, they're amazing and everybody's so nurturing and doesn't want to take the credit. And like, that's, and cause you know, that's what I think people do still see that women working together and why they can't be in um, executive roles because there's backbiting and there's competition and, and those, her character, Chris Wick's character was a personification of that, of, you know, like, well, why was like, what did she do there again? I don't know. She, she was, was his assistant or someone else under him. I don't understand. They, they think you can sort of fill in the gaps and like, well, maybe she's jealous of Allison and she's like, wants to, she doesn't like all the attention she's getting. And so she's trying to like underhandedly sort of plant seeds of doubt in her head or whatever. I don't know. But it, I saw it as more of a parody of that sort of dynamic. Yeah. A bit. Which I, I mean, yeah, I could, it, I think it'd go that way too, but yeah. I just, um, I mean, who, it's also in 2007. Right. Things were very different in yeah. the corporate world in 2007. Even then, now. even then, they're like, you know, oh, you know, do you want me to lose weight? And she's like, oh, we wouldn't say lose. They're saying, tighten. Like, you know, and after the baby's born, tighten. And he's like, and, and then Kristen was like, we just want you to be healthy. Like, all that stuff. Like, so funny. Good stuff. Um, the parent stuff with uh, Harold Ramos. Yeah. Ram, Ram, yeah. Harold, Harold, yeah. Oh, my God. That yeah. stuff. That was Harold Ramis. That stuff was really good. Uh, and it resonates a lot differently with us now, I think, too, as parents watching that and being like, oh, you know, you're the, you know, you're the best thing. You're the best thing about best thing about me or whatever. And it's everyone's like, I'm the best thing you ever did. I just feel bad for you. Like all that stuff. I really now, you know, we don't have grown children, but I think that plays more now for us having kids. Um and like we said, I think Katherine Heigl is like legit great in this movie. Like I think she's the best performance in the film by a lot. And I also think Leslie Mann's the best performance in This Is 40. Like, yes, they're written by a man, but he creates really interesting dynamic female roles. Uh, I don't know how much of that is a collaboration between him and the actor. Maybe with the, the Debbie character, he just, you know, he's writing to Leslie's strengths and it's his wife. So he knows what those are. And he's worked with her before and stuff. So, you, what do you think about Apatow's take on female characters? Even though Apatow, very male perspective, almost all his movies are about adults who need to grow up, including Trainwreck, where where it is solely a female lead. Uh, yeah, I guess. No, yeah. Well, um, I when I first mentioned about Harold Ramis, I think it also hits closer to home now too. Because Harold Ramis is no longer with us, right? So That's it's part like, of it. oh, like Harold Ramis, yeah, he's great. Um, and then I also think, think of Ghostbusters Afterlife, and I don't know why I feel like that kind of has like Judd Apatow vibes. I don't know because Harold Ramis. That's all I got. I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Ironically enough, well, well, maybe you're like just superimposing uh, the 2016, which has a lot of SNL people, including Kristen Wiig. Right. Yeah. Maybe that. With the, the afterlife kind of vibe. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Catherine Heigl had a very strong performance and, uh, actually didn't she end up getting pregnant soon after this movie? Oh, maybe. I don't you know, know, maybe she was 
like who knows maybe this movie inspired her to have a child or maybe she already was with child like i don't know but she um but she um she maybe she's already with child and she was like kind of pulling from her own her own experiences i'm not really sure i don't have the timeline of that um because she had a really strong performance and she's i mean she's She's good in a lot of things I've seen her in. Like, I really thought she was great in The Ugly Truth, which I know you think is an awful movie. I didn't say it was an awful no, movie. No, no. I don't remember saying I, well, you that. You don't like it that much. I don't like I it like it. you like yeah, it, but I don't, was I don't movie movie not like it. Yeah. I feel like that movie's whole thing is, oh, she's talking about things, like, you know, appropriately. And he's like, let's cut the bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And that's like that movie's whole, that's like all that movie has going for it is like, he tells it like it is. She's, you know, formal, and he's direct and, like, raunchy, and that's, like, the movie's take, and I feel like that's kind of all it has going on, and then they fall in love at one point, and I don't hate it. I don't love it either. It's, like, it's fine. I don't... Right, yeah, you didn't say... You put me on blast. You're right, you're right, you're right. It's fine. You're right. You didn't say 27 Dresses was also fine. Like, I don't know. I've also seen either each of those movies once, and I've seen Knocked Up a bazillion times. You own it. And I own it, yeah. Yeah. Um... And Leslie Mann, yeah, Leslie Mann is she's she's a great comedic actress, and it's like I remember seeing her for the first time in The Cable Guy, and she didn't really do anything. We still need she to show with, you. She got with Jed Apatow uh, soon after that movie, actually. Jordan and, the Jungle. And then, um, and then she kind of just has been in a lot of Jed Apatow movies. But yeah, oh, she's she, also in Big Daddy. That's right. Oh, oh, well, she was Jed Apatow at that point. Yeah, 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 but you never. I still need to show you George of the Jungle. I was trying to say. So wait, did she connect Adam Sandler to Jappato? Maybe. I mean, I would imagine it's a and she tight already had a comedy like, group. And she already was working with. She already worked with Jim Carrey. I mean, so Leslie Mann might be the the foundation of all of this. The woman usually. Oh yeah, is. she was also in I Love You, Philip Morris with Jim Carrey. I forgot. that. Oh, what was she in that? Uh, I think she was his wife. Oh. Or something, wasn't she? Oh yeah, maybe. I need to see that again. And that was not a Judd Apatow movie. No, it's not. Um, and she plays a character named Debbie in that too. Wow, that's funny. But yeah, she um, and she was really funny in Four Year Old Virgin, and she had a very small part. But we, of course, we she's still great played. in Blockers. We're, yeah, we're, Blockers we're, is good. We're, we're pro Leslie Mann in this yeah, in this house. We are. Yeah. Uh, so I need to show you George of the Jungle. I keep saying because she's good in that. That was the first movie I saw her in. Well, or I guess I guess Cable Guy I probably saw before that, but I didn't like it. I still complicated. Not- well, we if we ever get uh, Showstoppers off the ground, I'll release that episode that we recorded like two years ago, where we talk about the cable guy. Um, yeah, I was thinking about Apatow and female characters, and then I'm like, ah, maybe I should walk my comments back a bit because now I'm thinking about the character Desi in This Is Forty, as played by uh, Megan Fox, yeah. and I'm like, maybe uh, he's he's good in at times. He goes he he creates two kinds of female characters. He has this female lead who's usually pretty well-rounded and interesting and the voice of reason in a sea full of annoying guys, annoying, like, frat-type guys. That's your um, Catherine Keener in 40-Year-Old Virgin. That's your uh, Catherine Heigl. Always people named Catherine, apparently, mm-hmm. in Knocked Up. That's Leslie Mann in This but Is Emma 40. Emma Stone in Superbad. Emma Stone in Super... Well, he didn't write that or direct that. Oh. He produced that. Oh, that's a. Oh, that's right. That's okay, Evan See, Goldberg I, and Seth Rogen. See, I keep getting confused on what he directed and what he didn't. I know because you're throwing all these things at me. I know. Well, he's did involved. He, did he direct Anchorman then? No, that was Adam McKay. Okay, but he produced it. Right. Okay. All right. Adam McKay, who also and did Brides Brothers. And bridesmaids, he worked with 
uh, Kristen Wiig on that. And Paul Feig. Yes. Who was the director? Yes. Okay. And that was a and strong the script was by Annie Mumolo uh, later and, on and uh, Kristen Wiig. Yes. Right. Oscar nominated script. Right. Well deserved. Yes. Good and script. Oscar nominated uh, Melissa McCarthy. Also, go see Barb and Star. Go to Vista Del Mar. People who haven't seen that, which is most people, <laughs> it's really great. Um, uh, yeah. So he creates characters like Catherine Keener in Forty Year Old Virgin, and also Elizabeth Banks in Forty Year Old Virgin. We were like, right, yeah. Like, you know, eye candy, kind of whatever, not really much, pretty flat characterization-wise, or really well-rounded and stuff. So it's like, he's, it's very complicated. I think that's how he sees women. Yeah, maybe. Leslie Mann is the well You're the shrew or the whore, basically. It's like his modes. It's like, this is you and this is you. Right. Uh, Both terms I do not defend, just for, uh, um, just on the record. Uh, Not, not, not a fan of either of those words, but that's kind of the the archetype that I guess he's going for. So in, in Knocked Up, Debbie and, and Pete, as I, I feel like, are sort of a cautionary tale. They're presented to Allison and Ben, and they're like, oh, we want to build a life together. <laughs> and that whole thing. And then they're like, but we don't want to be like Debbie and Pete. And like, I don't want to be like, like they're miserable and all this other Which stuff. Debbie and Pete were basically in the same situation, more or less, that, that um, Allison and Ben were in. Like, Ten years earlier, yeah, but they or didn't really know each other very well, and she got um, Debbie got pregnant, and then they, you know, got together, got married, and stuff. So it's like Allison and Ben trying to avoid the mistakes of Debbie and Pete in their relationship, and there's a whole great sequence when they when uh, Ben and Pete go to Vegas, and they're they're getting doing mushrooms and they're like whatever, and they're like, oh, you can't accept love into your heart. Debbie loves you, man. Like that's that's. The, I, I like I like in his movies where he has like the the guys the like gross kind of frat type guys uh, all of a sudden like are really sensitive and it's like it's all a front it's all like a facade because we're really sad and and and, and squishy inside you know um, I think that's an interesting sequence so I think that that that's the opportunity that the sequel the sort of sequel pays off where now we're looking deeper into that relationship. Uh, and it opens much like this podcast with the female lead just turning 40. Uh, and then by the time this episode is posted, I will also be 40. So like that movie begins and ends with 40 year old birthdays. Um, are they the same? They're supposed to be like, the same age. They're supposed to be like Apatow and Leslie Mann. I believe so. I could double check on that, but yeah, I think so. Uh, so that's where the movie, uh, yeah, they're exact same age. They are. Not, well, well, no, they're a few, they're a few years away. Sorry, I was wrong. Oh, they're a few years off. Fifty-one and fifty-five. Who's fifty-five? Apatow. Oh, oh, okay. So, um, but I think for the purposes of the story, I like the the sort of bookendedness of a forty-year-old birthday and a forty-year-old birthday. Yeah. This is forty, uh, and the whole how their relationship has changed since then, and them sort of taking stock of where they are in their lives. Did that ring true with you? You just turned 40 a few days ago. Did you have a similar sort of internal reflection thing about where am I and where should I be and where is my relationship and where am I at work and blah, 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 blah. Because this movie side of touches a little bit between the two characters on Pete's sort of professional crossroads, on her sort of personal journey and getting pregnant again at, at 40. We had You had a child at 38, 38, yeah. So, like, how much of that hit, hit home, I guess? Um, I can't really say that on my 40th birthday that that happened. 
I think what's gonna might what, what might happen sounds like pretty common is that's gonna more happen as I go on in my 40th year but I mean I did I guess I had thoughts like that like like at 39 you're like oh wow I can't believe I'm gonna be 40 like my body hurts more than it used to and um and yeah asking myself questions about my career and um you know and but I I don't know I think that that more of those if I, if I start going through a midlife crisis it most likely won't start happening for at least another few weeks oh gotta give it time to settle in it's gotta set in so what can I do to prepare for this I guess is the question because I've been sort of in a midlife crisis for the last five years I feel like could be something like that <laughs> like an early midlife crisis what can I do to, to, to be supportive do what you do You're no s- fantasy football leagues like, like Pete does no fantasy Spider-Man. Don't, no without, motorcycle. No, no motorcycle. I'm trying to think of things in the movie. Oh, right. Also. Right. Um, but yes. Yeah. Uh, I, what do you... You mentioned about Debbie in the first Don't movie. Don't get hit by a car on a bicycle. Oh. Well, and that's funny that you mentioned that, because I pointed out while we were watching this story, I'm like, this is the second Judd Apatow movie in which the, the male lead gets some kind of vehicular accident while riding a bicycle. It makes me think and that then happened has like to an emotion Because 40-year-old virgin has the exact yeah, same kind of I thing. Mean, it's at the close to the end. It makes me think something happened to Judd Apatow. I don't know, maybe. Or maybe he's just like, it worked last time. Might as well. It's just, yeah. I mean, how often does that even happen to people in real life? Yeah. I mean, how many people specific. actually even go on the bicycle? No, I mean... <laughs> they don't do. know what they're doing. But yeah, so this ca- these characters, obviously, their birthday is also about a week apart, kind of like us. Uh, you mentioned about Debbie in, in Knocked Up as, you're like, oh, if anybody's a shrew, you know, it's, it's, this is, it would be Debbie. Like, how do you feel about the way the character is portrayed here? Do you feel the same? Do you feel like you, she is the same, but you understand more why? Or like, what, do you, what are your thoughts about? Because as we were watching it, I was like, Debbie's really the main character of this. Like, it's like... Paul Rudd probably has top billing because he's a bigger star and, and all of that. But on the, the DVD box art, it's even, it's like Leslie Mann is in focus brushing her teeth or something and the Paul Rudd's like on the toilet in the background or something. So it's pretty clear. It's like, it is the Debbie story. How does that play for you now um, in contrast? I mean, I feel like she was kind of the same in This Is 40 and Knocked Up. Like she's, um, and I don't like the term shrew either, mm-hmm. but she's just... She is. She resents Pete so much, and I feel like there's a lot of like manipulation now. She communicates with him. I mean, even take it like when she's confronting him about the money that he's giving to his father and what's going on financially. Like she did that very underhanded, instead of just being direct about it. Right. And I. Well, she didn't know about it for the part of the movie, right? Right. And then she yeah. found out through their accountant, and right. then she was like, oh, so how's that going with, you know, with this? And with, the, like, she knew, but she, and I'm not, I'm not a proponent of that at all. Like, I think when, I would never, when I communicate with somebody, whether it's a friend or my husband, I'm, I'm going to be direct and, and have that difficult conversation because, um, I'm an honest person, and I just feel like she just wasn't. I just don't feel like she was very honest, and he wasn't honest with her. But he also was. 
he also was like scared of how she'd react constantly because she was like she was underhanded and manipulative. Do you think the movies does a, a, a decent enough job sort of establishing that maybe because of her issues with her father that she's just like constantly defensive, she's just like expecting everybody to leave kind of thing? Is that what they're going for, you think? Yeah, that could be. And also I think Because that that is a thing that happens we we talk yeah. about that a lot like as you get older especially when you have kids listeners who don't have kids uh when you have kids you become more like your parents by default because you were around being raised by them so you absorb some of that through osmosis and you what, act like a child even yourself. if you don't want to and then you sort of reflect like well how much of the of me being the way I am or the things that I'm still dealing with, how much of that is because of my upbringing, how much of that is our uh, psychological baggage that I've inherited, emotional baggage that I've inherited from my parents in one way or another. So I think that this movie is trying to open that up. I don't really think it lands anywhere. I, I, I think you and I have way more conflicted feelings about this movie than the last one, right? Yeah. Do we we're in agreement? Knocked up is a superior film overall, right? Yes. Is that do Do you think that's because this movie is trying to dig into questions that it doesn't really like? It's unearthing stuff and not really doing anything with it. It's like, hey, this, 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 and then it just leaves it all there. Like, all right, I don't know, figure it out. Instead of piecing it together, it doesn't feel as cohesive. Maybe. Yeah, that's that's one thing. It just yeah, it just feels all over the place. Yeah. Um, like. No, we weren't talking about this yeah. right now. But it's I also, I really don't understand what was the point of the characters Desi and Jody in this movie. I think Jody's I funny. I think that scene where she's she like doing a deep voice. I think that's she, pretty funny. She, I'm gonna watch that. But this. like, what what value? Well, did did Desi even bring? This um, movie, other than basically Megan Fox being kind of like eye candy. Well, yeah. I mean, we don't. I'm not. Yeah, she's very sexualized in this movie, and I think. For the most part, that's that's kind of the role she's been stuck with. I think sometimes, like in Jennifer's Body, which I've seen like in the last year uh, and loved, I think it works there because the movie's using that to say something. Uh, I think it's just to be a counterpoint to Debbie, who's turned forty. She's like living like in secret. She's smoking behind, you know, and keeping that a secret. Meanwhile, Pete is doing the same thing, eating the cupcakes, and neither of them is really taking care of themselves. Um, she's, you know, there's the whole thing that I forget what character says it. Somebody's like, oh, you blink and you're going to be 90. That whole thing. And she's kind of terrified of aging. Meanwhile, there's this, like, hot young lady working in her store. So I think it's just, like, to highlight her sort of insecurity, I guess. But the whole subplot with Desi stealing money or not stealing money and Jody and... Being an escort. Yeah. Well, the being an escort, I was like, well, that's not a good look for this movie. (laughs) I'm like, that's what we got Megan Fox for. Um... Yeah, it's, again, it's sort of superficial, that part of it. I don't think, I think it's basically what I just said. And also, because it's uh, appealing for people, young men who are watching this movie to to see. Uh, and it gives Jason Siegel a, a chance to, like, hit on her for, like, ten minutes towards the end of the movie. I mean, it's funny, we started talking about improv at the beginning of this episode, because this movie, I feel like, possibly more than any other of the Apatow movies, really suffers from being improv heavy. Where you're like, there's a whole sequence with these the two guys sort of vying for Desi's attention. And I'm like, the fuck does this have to do with anything? 
Like, there's the things with the Debbie and Pete's parents. There's the, you know, the the, the, the kid at school, which we'll get into uh, with Melissa McCarthy. Oh, like, there's a lot of things that are up in the air, and then they're cut in there because there were funny lines said during that filming. Yeah. Not because it has anything to do with the story. The story is unwieldy at best. Yeah. I think with the, the Jason Segel scenes, that may just be because... Judd Apatow wanted to give him more screen time. It's possible, yeah. I mean, because that's his that's, his, that's his buddy. And he's good as this character. I think having the character through the... Having him appear as the yoga instructor, I think, was a smart move. I, I like that build, sort of building off of uh, the previous film where, obviously, he was also into Debbie there. And like I said to you, I'm like, so... This is clearly... I see this was made by Judd Apatow. Not that Leslie Mann's very attractive, not saying that. Uh, but, like, it's made by his... Her husband, because every guy in these movies, except for her husband, is like trying to get with her and trying to do sex with her. No, right. Well, maybe Leslie Mann also wants that in the script, just to be like, "Honey, yeah, you're gonna write said. this. You, you make me hot. Maybe. Make me hot that everybody wants to have sex, do sex with me." Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, and it's you know, it's a valid thing. No, so and yeah, I'm sure Judd Apatow also finds his his wife hot. And, yeah. You know, so don't think it was him reaching too much. No, exactly. No, I'm not saying that it's reaching. It's just like it's funny that like everybody like uh, there was um, Wyatt Russell, right? Yeah. In that scene, yeah, I thought that was funny. Uh, yeah. So, so she's insecure. She's lying about her age. That's not something you do, which I think is interesting. No. Care to comment on women who lie about their age or people who lie about their age and how your your feelings on it? Um. This is, the mean, kind of, this is the kind of thing I would never be so direct with. Um, yeah, I mean, wife. to each throne. I mean, as long as you're not hurting people and you're not, like, lying about your age right. to get a job or to um, to keep that going long-term or to get in a relationship, I don't see anything wrong with it. Like, I... I, I mean, I was raised to be honest about everything, including my age and... You know, um, were you ever more in- insecure about that kind of thing? Like, is it something that you've grown into? Were you more like, oh, I'm 26 when you're really like you're 29 or whatever? No, no, I've I've always been honest about my age. I think the hard thing about me growing older is, you know, my my body changing. Like, what's well, also joints, having kids too? Yeah, joint my joints hurt. Yeah. They started kind of hurting. I think around thirty three, where I'm like, oh, you know. Um, and I've had, and I've had, I have more. Having thirty three when, like, right around our when our daughter was born. Right. Well, my dad even said that he started to notice his body like changing when he was thirty three. I think that's just, I mean, that makes that that makes sense. I, maybe that's why I'm latching onto that number. It's a good thing and, I'm eternally thirty two then. Yeah. I guess. And you know, I've had, I have gray hair, but I've also had started having gray hair when I was 27 so um that and you know you can either I can either choose to keep coloring my hair and not have that gray income in and I'm just trying to keep take care of my my skin with moisturizer but you know I'm I am 40 and I don't see myself lying about not being 40 or 41 when that time comes but you know to each you know no judgment here. If you do that, you know, that's your life. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's... Uh, part of what 
works about this movie. It's 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 complicated because like we like we were saying, it's I feel like it is unwieldy, but I also feel like so is li- like life is also unwieldy, and I think that's kind of part of what it's trying to capture by taking on like everything from their marital issues to you know their daughter's obsession with lost certain teachers and bullies and technology like affecting their you know he's in the bathroom playing words with friends with Ben on his iPad when he should be present and he keeps like trying to you know that's a, that's a classic dad move I get it oh Being yeah like, I'm gonna go in the bathroom to go to the bathroom but really because I like need five minutes of mental space or sometimes like 20 minutes well I don't go in there 20 minutes no but that's sometimes that's like yeah the, that's like the meme right I do I just do I don't do 20 minutes I do like five minutes but like multiple times <laughs> no, no, I know um, unless I have to go to the bathroom uh, but yeah so I think that's part of what it's you know trying to get across with the parenting part of it and also the career because he's uh, sort of a, a budding entrepreneur, Pete, and I, I, I guess in the previous one, it's unclear what he did for work, but he was so kept talking about going to see a band. I guess working for a record label, like to try and, but it didn't now in this one, we know for sure that he's like started his own label and struggling, and so it's also that kind of self reflection that happens at forty, where you're like, where am I in my career, in my marriage? Like I was saying earlier, what do you think this movie is really trying to say about forty, other than it's fucking hard? To manage all this stuff. Um, and I, I think what you what you said. I mean, for I mean, age is nothing but a number, but you know, like that's just. I mean, it happens to be that these characters, when they're forty, have youngish children. Yeah. Not like you know one who's like I guess eight and thirteen. Um, so they I guess they had them like twenty seven or something. Yeah. You know, I know people that had their kids, like, pretty early on in their lives, and now, at 40, they're, they're, like, em- they're like empty nesters, yeah. and I'm like, oh, man, I'm just starting this parenting journey. So, um, you know, there's 40-year-olds I know that don't, don't have children, and there's, you know, and they're pretty, maybe they're pretty set up in their career, and, but maybe they have, like, family issues. So I think it really is just kind of about where you're at in your life, and that can be different. For, for everybody, so, but it's it's I, it's just it's hard getting older. Yeah. Regardless, because you know biology and your your body, your body is gonna change. And even if you do take care of yourself and you go to the gym and you eat well, like you you have to work harder to be healthy and to look healthy because your body's gonna it's it's getting older. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I don't like that. Don't tell yeah. me this. I'm, my birthday's in two days. I don't really want to hear that. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it, it's true. I, I think that it's it just things... It's it's a less funny, less cohesive movie than Knocked Up. But I think part of that is because it is a bit darker, because it is much more mature, because it's dealing with things of like what you were just saying. And like they're, the dynamic... Like a relationship is a lot purer... Though complex in in nature, like Allison and Ben's when it's early on. So you have that drive home from the hospital where they're joking and they're like a little family and it's adorable and I get emotional because it's sweet. But then fast forward 10, 12, 15 years, 
look at the dynamic that, you know, Ben and uh, or Pete and Debbie probably started like that ish. And now they're like, they love each other, but also hate each other so much. And it's very complex. They're like, you're my favorite person, but also like, you know, so and I think that's very true to life. Like, you, you know, you have your good moments, you have your bad moments, you have to work. Like you were saying, you have to work harder in your relationships like you do on yourself. And whether that's with your spouse or with your kids, you know, you have to work at building that and, and maintaining that connection. And I think the, this... Did that, I say that? You didn't say that part. I'm building on what you said. <laughs> Just like uh, like This is 40 builds on what is established and knocked up. It's building on, on that. And I think, um, you know, I think that you don't have the contrast in knocked up to lighten the mood. Because these Debbie and Pete still had those issues in that movie. But it was like we had a little more mixture of perspectives. Now we're just like living in their in their world, and it's stressful. <laughs> and so that's probably part of why the movies is like, this is not as much fun <laughs> to watch because their lives aren't as much fun because they have to reassess and readdress things. I do think that the movies uh, one one thing that kind of got lost muddled in the, the soup of subplots that's going on here is that. Um, they're like, we're going to start fresh. And we've been saying this lately, you know, we're going to eat healthier. We're going to be a healthier lifestyle starting now and blah, blah, blah. And it's I think the movie's also being like it's it's tempting to lean into this sort of like clean, like clean slate kind of thing. But that that's not how life works. Like it doesn't happen like that. Like as much as you have this, these lofty ideas in your head of like starting when I turn 40, it's going to be a complete change of, of lifestyle and blah, blah, blah. It's like okay that's nice but that's it's more it's 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 you know life isn't a sprint it's a race it's a um it's a marathon it's not a sprint right so you can have those plans but it's hard to stick to them because life gets in the way of things and it's more much more complicated than just like all right well starting tomorrow i'm gonna hit the gym every day and i think because i remember that's the through line early on she's like we're gonna get rid of these cupcakes we're gonna be healthy we're gonna start working out and we're gonna you know and at the end you know that sort of falls apart a bit or or at least they they kind of grasp the reality of what that really means um so i think that was i think that's if, if anything the movie's trying to say i think they're trying to be like just do your best work on stuff work on yourself we're all trying to figure this out together. Just one one day, one step at a time. Like you can't just be like like a light switch. Like now I'm all better. Everything works. That's not how that. That's not how that works. Get into therapy. Hang out with your family. Get off your fucking devices. Like you know, communicate with your kids, and uh, so you don't get to the point where you're snapping at a at a like twelve year old. Uh, oh which we should talk about that scene because in the first scene, well, in I, the, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Put please. a pin in that. Of course. But I want to also talk about like the. The comment that Pete said to Debbie, where he said, I see how you look at look at those kids with so much compassion and love, and you yeah. never look at me like that. Yeah. Did, how did you feel when he said that? I feel like I relate to that some, to a degree. Well, we, we talk about that a lot in our house. You know, it's the two of us who've been together for 12 years, our, our six-and-a-half-year-old who's going through a lot of her own challenges, and then the almost two-year-old who's the most physically in need of attention and it's also like to your to on your side I'll throw this back to you it's like me and our two children the three of us are kind of constantly vying for your attention so i feel like there is there is some truth in what Pete was saying it's like you know you start out and you're like oh we're each other's world and like kind of thing and then kids come into the picture and then 
the the relationship gets strained and just by time and and you know life takes you in somewhat different directions and if you don't stay on the same path you will diverge and then you'll be barely recognize the other person so how does that relate to you how did was your reaction to that line first of all and secondly what does it feel like being the focal point in a household where everyone is like mommy 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 and wanting to get your attention uh in one way or another it's it's hard you know like it's um you know you know you are familiar with the phrase of tapped out like that's how i feel a lot like everybody always wants to touch me and hug me and kiss me and be around me and i just want to get time just five minutes ten minutes to myself to not have everybody you know always wanting to hug me and then i feel like you know and we we talk about this too. We yeah. talk about a lot of stuff. Um, you feel like pushed aside because like I've been hugged and kissed so much by the baby and by our daughter that you like I don't have enough you know time for you mm-hmm. and you know and you you know and I know you we have sometimes have a tendency to like take it personal when you know it's not it's just it's just so much all the time and like even if you're there and you're available. And I'm doing something else, our daughter will still come look for me. Right. Yeah. You know, that, that uh, inevitable question that the kid will ask. Where's mommy? Yeah. Daddy, where's mommy? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Did they have any scenes the- in the movie with that? Because no, they definitely had scenes so. with Debbie, like, hiding away, drink, smoking a cigarette. Or, like, there's that really, when she finds out she's pregnant with the third child, which is which is a topic we should get to real fast. Mm. Uh yeah, there's moments where she's, like, reflecting on things. But it only happens when she's by herself because life with the family is so chaotic. Yeah. Well, Sadie seems like she's kind of in her own world. With well, she's on her fucking devices and, and stuff. And want to be social yeah, and yeah. stuff. So they don't... They have a break for the older one. And, and the, yeah. And the younger one's just annoying the older one, which we relate to that, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, but, yeah, you know, I... We, you know, we... It's... It's also just like love for your children is different than love for your partner. And it it's should more, be. It's more absolute in a way. Yeah, it should be different yeah. because your your children should hopefully be like really like the purest definition of unconditional love. You know, because they, they came what about the What about the, this is now we're just like in a full on therapy session for us and not even talking about the movie anymore. But um, what about the people who are like some, the mindset of. Oh, the children should be should be the focus. Or if people are like, I love my kids, but my relationship and my marriage is the foundation, and that's I, that's that comes first to a degree, almost. Where do you lie on that? Because I kind of, I kind of see both sides because the kids wouldn't be there without the marriage, and that, and to your point, the kids, the love for the kids is more natural and kind of comes more easily. The marriage, and like we're seeing in this movie, if you don't attend to that, that will wither and die. Your love for your kids won't. You know what I mean? Um, so I guess I, I lean more, yeah, slightly I mean, more I towards agree. that. I, I agree with both sides, too. But one point, one side that no one really brings up that much is what about the love for yourself? Oh, well, that, yeah. I mean... Well, this this movie, touch, the movie touches on that, too. They're both... Neither of them is taking care of themselves. They're like... Well, should, they love, should, be. should love for yourself come first? Well, then yeah. followed by, yes. you know. Well, I'm talking about external relationships. But yes, of course. I because agree. if you don't have love for yourself, then you're not going to be 
Oh, a very Either good parent. Either one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very good parent for your ch- children no. and a very good spouse. I feel like I, so. I gave you an A or B question and you chose C. I did. And I'm no, like, hey. but I, I... But no. <laughs> you sidestepped the question. Like, let me pose a better question. I'm no, like, I did. Oh, I answered the question. Did I you do, dodge I do, the question? I did answer the question. I do, see, I do see both sides as well. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think a lot of therapists would even say, too, that... The, the marriage or the relationship between because the, that also the kids see that come first yes the, the kids it, see that and if it's a toxic marriage and you love your kids that's not good for the and they kids think, and they well and they think that that's how a relationship is supposed exactly. to be yeah I should say relationship because not everyone's married but in our case it's married and the movie's married so I'm using that as the as the touch point um, uh, so the, the Debbie goes off on the little kid which I don't I don't love the fact that this movie sort of reinforces that that boy I guess kind of likes her. Yeah. And that's why he's being a dick. And the whole boys, will, oh, he's being mean to you because he likes you. Like, I, I hate that stereotype. But it's such a minor part of this movie that I'm like, sure, whatever. Um, but I do like the scene where she snaps at him. And then, of course, the part with Melissa McCarthy uh, in the outside in the school and then also in the, the principal's office. I, in the first movie, the biggest laugh I got was the whole the scene at dinner where they were all talking. And and uh, Ben is like, oh, you know, if we could get a time machine, he'd be like, oh, you know, Ben, maybe put a condom on or whatever. And then and then they they were saying somebody like Debbie's like, oh, you two should 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 fuck like okay, you, let's get you a time machine. And then Pete's like, who needs a time machine? Like that was my that was my the biggest laugh I got from the first movie. In this one, it was probably something I'm not sure about exact line, but it's probably something with the whole. Uh, Melissa McCarthy and the, and the little kid thing. W- w- how does that play? For, obviously, we're not endorsing you treat children that way, but it's also it's like that feral mama and papa bear thing that you get to protect your kids. Uh, it's sort of vindicating to see that play out in a movie in a fictional setting. Don't do that uh, because these are children. You shouldn't like you know control yourself. Be an adult, but also it's fun to watch in a movie. Uh, thoughts on on that that whole subplot? I mean, yeah, that was that was funny. Um, but one thing I was also thinking is like she's in both of these films. Debbie says how sweet she is, and she's she said she was sweet, and this is forty, right? Probably, or am I thinking probably. that she said this? I'm fun, or um, but the fact of the matter is, she has to keep saying that she's sweet, which doesn't really bode well for you actually being sweet. Um, second, like. I don't I don't think she's sweet. She in the first movie, she yells and insults the bouncer at the club, and then in this movie, she is accosting a child over and over again well, and made him cry and and it's only until he started crying that she stopped herself, but like she's not sweet. She's mean. I think which is funny cuz then she points out in the knocked up the whole fantasy football thing with him like you say you're not mean, but this is mean. And you're like, look in the mirror, bitch. Yes. That's what your point is. Um, I think... She's, cru- she's but, mean to but, everybody. But what both of these movies, I think this one especially, highlights is that she acts that way. She acts that way on Craig Robinson because she feels her youth slipping away already. And she's only like 35 or whatever she's supposed to be in that movie. And then here, it's because she's feeling insecure and... Um, Inefficient, you know. She feels like she's doing a terrible job as a mom. She feels like she's not being for her there for her kids, and so she's reacting in a way like I have to reassert, like I have to prove to 
Sadie and also to myself that I'm but that's, got my best. But see, that's a lot interest. of reasons why people are mean. I know. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. That's again. I like. I preface this whole section by being like, not acceptable behavior. But we understand more where she's coming from, and then and, like because of that, she's a more empathetic character this time around than she was last time. Because like I don't I don't empathize with that. She's she's staring at me, and she's not know. happy. I don't know. But, but then you said earlier about. I don't like the Kristen Wiig thing. She's not like supporting women, and then I'm like, well, you don't understand. Do not empathize with Debbie struggling. I do. I, I mean, and you're like she's mean. I Get do. out of here, Debbie. I'll I take mean, Pete. No, Everybody I do. Paul I here. mean, no, no, Pete's. Pete's got a, a lot of his own Pete problems. He's got his own problems, yeah. which I relate to a, a lot of the, um, the, the the professional thing, the job, like kind of at a crossroads, the not eating healthy because you're sad and feeling lonely, and the feeling like over. Like, I get it. I understand. I mean, he's internalizing it and she's externalizing yes, it. Yes. Which is the dynamic here sometimes. Yes, and too. I do and I do empathize, you know, don't get me wrong. Like but she's still but like she's even like mean like I said earlier, she's even mean about Ben behind his back to her sister. Like that wasn't even her reacting to anything at that point. That's just her being just judgmental. Just judgmental and insulting. I mean So I, how much I of this it, are we gonna re, like how much of it can you say, oh, justify and say, oh, you know, she's insecure and, you know, she's she's acting out too. That's just her character. Did she find out she was trait. pregnant by the, that time too? I think she had. Yeah, and she said that's, that's, a, that's a little it. kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this little kid that she's accosting knows this before her husband. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows before her husband. Right. And, you know, and the way that he... And we even, we were even talking about this on our, in L.A., um, by I bringing up like a hypothetical situation, like if it had happened to us now, like if we were pregnant with, if I was pregnant with our third child, and how, you know, Rob would react. I think to him that. reacting like, oh no, thank you, and then, but then being happy when it's a reality. I think that's pretty. That feels pretty true to life, in general. Yeah, I mean, has his initial reaction with her. Like no, thank scenario, you. If I could choose. Like, I, I don't could want see that. why she's like, oh, shit, I don't want to tell him. If it's the reality. Then I'll embrace it because we, you know, I love our kids and all this other stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good scene, and there's that long close-up of her like in the car, sort of processing things with being pregnant, and after she's left the doctor and all that. So I, I like all that stuff. There's a little bit of a little bit of Father the Bride Part Two in there, which is a movie I also like that I'll probably cover on this podcast at some point uh, with the being the late in life pregnancy sort of deal. Um, but yeah. Uh, a couple other things. I there was a Friends reference. There's men made a mention of looking like he's like he he uh, fucks like David Schwimmer. I think it was that. Oh yeah, that was. Was that, that about? Who was that about? That was about um, Pete, Pete Paul Rudd said about David Schwimmer. Yeah. Right. Boss. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was pretty funny. Also, there was the 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 cookie that he has that Ben gave him that plays a role in this movie, or he references. He has a he's like drugged out because he got like a he got like a pot cookie or something that he got from Ben. I'm trying to think of like connections because the franchise detours. I'm trying to think of connections to Knocked Up. Do you feel like this movie would have benefited or suffered from having uh, cameo more more significant roles or more cameos from the previous film? Do you think that it, it makes sense, or are you would it have been worse if Allison and Ben have showed up at all, or do you think it's better that it was, you know, think it's better that it would it's it's sort of focused on Debbie and Pete? I think they should have showed up. I think they should have at least stronger. acknowledged Allison. Yeah. It's weird they, that... They, 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 they completely wrote her out because of what, yeah. I guess, what happened. Yeah. Um, no, I think they should have been a part of this movie. I mean, she was such a... Allison was such a strong 
Debbie was such a strong part of the Allison being her sister and all, and they were always together and talking about things. Did they move away or something? I don't know. It's unclear. Yeah, like, she had such a close relationship with her and knocked up, and then this movie, there's, like, no... There's there's no reference to her. Like, we don't even know if John Lithgow is also Allison's dad. I don't think so. I think they have different dads, right? Oh, maybe. That's what it seems like. So then he has, like, three separate families. It sounds like he got... He, he, you know, fathered uh, Debbie and then, like, wanted to stay around and then wasn't... The the mom didn't want him there or something and then so he just left. And so maybe that mom then remarried and that's where Allison happened. Because there's, like, a... She's supposed to be 35 or so in the original movie and knocked up and Allison's, like, what, 20-something? 27? Yeah, or, maybe. So there's, like, almost... There's, like, almost... It's, like, a me and Freddie age gap. It's, like, eight years or something. So they could have the, a different dad. But it's also weird that there wasn't a phone conversation where she confided in her sister about any of this or something. I know. I think it suffered because they weren't in it. Yeah, it just, it's weird. It, it was just without any... No explanation? Yeah, no, it's just, like, yeah. I mean, they mentioned Ben. That's about, well, Seth Rogen. Yeah, but it's just, like, it was... Periphery. But they could have... And I would have been curious, like, how they were doing with the baby and if they were still together and... Could have been like a continuation of. Maybe they didn't want to fuck with that happy ending. They're like, oh, they're fine. Don't worry about it. But we don't know that. We don't know that. Yeah, probably better we don't know she that. May, maybe she moved away for a job. Yeah. And took the baby with her or something. Oh, I like the happy ending. Don't ruin it for me. I don't know. Um, so we got Jason instead, for a few scenes, which is kind of fun. He's a fun character, and Jason Segel, like totally at ease playing like. Playing he actually looked better. And younger, obviously, in the first one than he did in the second one. Like in the He's second, got facial hair in this one, right? Yeah, I think in the sec- first one, he could have more pulled off being a Hikayo constructor than he did in the second one. But, you know, age. Yeah. It happens. This is the whole theme of the movie. Yeah. It also shows how, how that character has changed from the last movie, where they were working on that website, and that was pretty much all he was doing. And now he's got, like, his own little yoga business that he does, I guess, with including Annie Mumolo as a different character named Barb, which is weird. Yeah. Um, and is then... Is she getting knocked up? Annie Mola? No, no. Oh, okay. Right. No, I mean, I, I love her in Barb and Star. I think she's arguably funnier than Kristen Wiig in Barb and Star, Go to Vista Del Mar, which I'm going to mention again and again. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to pick, have somebody cover that with me on Close Watch because nobody talks about it. And it's one of my favorite movies of the 2020s. Uh, and it's so funny. Um, no, no, I would remember if she was in that because she's, she's great in that, as, as that character. Uh, so instead we get Jason and we get Charlene Yee as Jody, Kai's favorite character from these movies. Now, wasn't oh. she in something recently? She was watched? just in a movie. Where, yeah, hold on. I'm going to look it up. Was she, in, she was just in something that we watched. Was she in The Flash? Uh, no, no. She's not in The Flash. She was... Oh, Jexy. Oh, yeah, Wait, right. Speaking of movies nobody talks about. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't fine. Jexy's in all... It's all right. It's not... I think it came out and everybody's like, this movie sucks. And nobody went to see it. And then it's like, it's got its moments. It's fine. It's got Alexandra Ship. Anything with Alexandra Ship. Uh, and another connection, um, the vo- voice of Jexie's Rose Byrne, who uh-huh. was in Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids, yeah. Yeah. So any any other closing thoughts on uh, Knocked Up and This is 40? We it sounds like we want another one of in this world, like sort of... Uh, you know, comedy slash drama examinations of relationships and how they evolve over time kind of thing, right? 
Yeah. Would you prefer another Debbie Pete movie? Would you prefer a, a, a crap Sadie and Charlotte movie? Sadie and Charlotte would be fun. I don't want another Debbie and Pete like focused. On it would be too similar, yeah. I would assume. And, 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 and especially if she's gonna be mean still. So like Sadie and Charlotte and the movie more about because the first one's about a the beginnings of a relationship and the entrance into parenthood, and then this movie's about. Keeping a family together and keeping, you know, reflecting on a milestone birthday and like how your relationship checkpoint and all that stuff. So it'd be interesting if the next one is about sisters growing up and like how that relationship changes, how that dynamic changes from when your kids growing up in the same house to now you're, you know, going to college and you're, you know, how what you have a sister. Yeah, you like, should cast me like a movie me like my sister, a movie about about you and Zaya and like and us becoming parents. Yeah. Yeah, so you you bring it full circle. Maybe Sadie will then get pregnant in that movie or something. Like, because parenthood is a giant, is a huge theme, obviously, in both of these films. How old is she now, anyway? Sadie? Or or, uh, Maude? She was, because... She's at least early 20s. Yeah, because she was, like, 13. She she was just in Little Shop of Horrors on Broadway. Uh, So, Maude is 25. Mm. Around the same age of Aunt Allison. Yeah, yep, that's right. In Knocked Up. And then Iris is 20. So and they have the same age difference as our kids, which is like why when they're when in knocked up, they're like I think the same, like one um, Charlotte is two, and she's like seven. Yeah, and that's the same as our kids. So it's I'm like wow, like it's like the same age difference and the similar. similar Plus, how many movies like that? How many movies in this vein are uh, explore the relationship between sisters? There's the movie Sisters. Right. With Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, but like with this sort of like raunch comedy with like a, with heart kind of apatow style. Like there's no movies like that that I can think of. No, not no, not, not really. where that's not where if it's there, it's like a, a background type thing. Like it was in Knocked Up with Allison and Debbie. Yeah. Or it's a drama. Or it's something intense and serious. And yeah, but I think that I think that would be the best route forward. And I think after. After the bubble, I think uh, Chad Apatow probably could be like, ah, what, what can I, let's, this is the 50-year-old version. Uh, like, what, what, is, what is the next, what, what could I build off of that was successful in the past? And This Is 40 wasn't really successful. It, like, did okay. Uh, it, does, it doesn't have the same watchability factor. No, it's not rewatchable because it's heavy because it brings up questions I don't want to think about. Yeah. It's taken <laughs> us 11 about? years to watch it. Exactly. Because of this podcast. It, it, it cost 35 to make and it made 88 worldwide. Which That's is pretty good. Which is all right. It did, it did fine. It probably broke even sort of. Whereas Knocked Up cost 25 and made 219. So that was like a blockbuster that, that year. Uh, and rightfully so because I think it, it does hold up. Um so I guess what we're saying is go rewatch Knocked Up. Still still mostly mostly works. And if you watch it in another language, um, keep in mind that it will not be called Knocked Up in Yeah, the I don't love it's that called, title, like, but it's, it's called like very pregnant or in some other countries. Yeah, so. we should I guess we should t- touch on that. Do you like the do how do you feel about the title? I mean it's supposed to be like brash, kind of crass take on parenthood. And so it's like, oh he's, she's knocked up. I'm like, ugh. It's just I don't. It does not a pleasing phrase yeah, to me. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever actually used that phrase. Yeah, I don't think people. Anyone. I don't think people say that anymore. Yeah. Unless they're talking about the movie. Do people even up. say "bun in the oven"? Like, well, who, who talks like that? People are just like, "I'm pregnant. I'm expecting. I don't right. know." Right. Well, be now, a mom. well, now they're like, "We're expecting." Right. We're pregnant. 
which, you know, as the dad, I yeah, appreciate that. It's a part. It affects us in, in a less direct physically way. Physically, obviously not in the same way. Uh, but it affects us a lot, too, in a different way. Um, so, yeah. So what we're saying is go back, rewatch Knocked Up. Great movie. Peak Apato? Question mark? Yeah, I could say that. He Listen to our, our conversation on The 40-Year-Old Virgin. I'll probably try and link to it in the show notes to this episode. Uh, this is 40... If you're the right age, I think you'll enjoy it. I don't know if people, like young people watching that, might be like, this sucks. What is this? But I'm all sad. Well, we What's up with these sad old people? We didn't think that when we saw it. I don't think we loved it. No. I got it on DVD for like $6 at Black Friday because I had knocked up and because I was a, an Apatow completist at that point, which is weird that I still haven't seen The King of Staten Island or The Bubble, which I've heard is terrible. Um, but, but yeah, it definitely resonates with us more now being... Well, one of us being 40. The time is posting. I know. It'll be 40. Send me your condolences. I might need them. I see. I think he's having going to have a harder time with turning 40 I've, than I did. I've had a harder time for in general the last few years. I guess so. I had a hard time being 30. Yeah. To our sort of... Yeah. It's hard to want to celebrate the older you get when you don't feel satisfied with where you are in multiple respects. You know, one of my uh, coworkers, she um, has a really good outlook on growing older and uh, she's a little bit a couple years older than we are and she just says she likes getting older and like learning more about herself and um not caring what people think and that changes my perspective too i'm like yeah it's like it's all about your attitude you know it, so about I, your, it doesn't, attitude. I don't want to say that <laughs> you did you said it this this conversation will continue off mic i'm sure um, um but yeah so go check out those two movies Jed Apatow, you're not listening, but uh, give us the give us the uh, Sadie and Charlotte movie, or whatever. Give us a sister movie with your cast your daughters as the roles they've been playing twice in their life, and uh, yeah, I think that would be I would I'd be totally down for that. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Anything else to add? Any closing no, thoughts? I Kai? think we said it all. Thank you so much for coming on Franchise Detours to talk about this movie and have a little mini therapy session in the middle of it. I think, like I told you when I pitched this episode to you, I I needed, I thought it would be good for you to have you on this episode because of our connections to these movies and, and our age. And also it's like reflect, it's like a reflective conversation in general about us and also the movies. And it's, a, the, the, if nothing else, I do think this is 40 is a good like conversation starter. If you're in a similar situation as Debbie and Pete. So definitely people should check it out in that regard as well. Uh, question though, when did this movie come out? 2012. No, what month? Oh, what month? Uh, I can find out. Because if it, just curious on there's any other... Christmas. Merry Christmas. Okay. No wonder nobody, no wonder it didn't do as well. One, it's a little heavier, a lot heavier, I'd say. And then two, it's like coming out at Christmas time. Go see the heavy marriage, like relationship thing, R-rated. Versus the kid movie Versus or whatever an action movie. Was, yeah, whatever the, the family movie. movie was in 2012. It's probably like a, uh, wasn't there a Hobbit out there? I don't oh, expect the journey had just come out. Oh, yeah. That's probably what it would beat it at the box office. But that movie's not, that movie's, 40 is better than Expected Journey. I was about to say, yeah, it's definitely, Hobbit, the Unexpected Journey was definitely uh, not a great movie, but. Uh, and her birthday. Uh, I don't know, is it? Well, uh, maybe, I don't know. I don't know where, they're probably comparable. Yeah. Where's, and Liz Lemon's birthday is in December? Yeah, see, you're telling me all these things I don't have up right now. Hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Leslie Mann's birthday is March. Oh, man. Judd Apatow's, I think, is December. Oh, okay. December so he 6th. his own birthday movie. This is my birthday. Well, it came out a few weeks later, but yeah. Whatever. Anyway. Birthday month. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Do you want to tell, Anytime. tell people anything you have going on? You're not really on Twitter or anything? No, I'm not on Twitter. Where, um, where can people... Do you well, I am on Twitter. I just don't go on it. Yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram under K-E... L-A-N 373. See pictures of our trip to L-A if yeah. you want. Yeah, and then I'm on Facebook, but I'm private, so. So that doesn't help name. you at all. Why yeah, bring it up, um, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just. You I, were on, you You have a, through the vault key, you have a YouTube channel, oh, but you don't do anything with it. And I am on, and I do watch things on YouTube under Kai. Also, Gannis. if you're listening to this and you liked hearing Kai talk about stuff, let me know because I'm always telling her she should be on, uh, you know, we should do a podcast or. She should do videos again or something because I, you know, I think she's, I think she has a lot to offer as a creative voice in oh, the world. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm actually going to be, um, this doesn't affect any of you on this. Well, maybe you can report back but, about it on but Instagram. But I will be, um, I will be doing Upright Citizens Brigade improv class online um, in just a couple of days, actually right after Rob's birthday. I will be going to my first class with UCB. I've done improv classes before online with Second City. I did two two sessions with them and it's it's fun like it's um the kind of a fun way to get out of your shell and kind of learn a different a different skill set and I do kind of still consider myself an actress at heart so it's and it's a lot harder than than acting is so because if you're good at improv you can also be good at acting but just because you're good at acting doesn't doesn't mean you can be good at improv so uh, yeah, I'll have to report back to how that went. That is was actually founded by Amy Poehler. We brought her up just earlier. So, um, yeah, and that's kind of what I have going on. Just working and and being 40. Yeah, I was going to say, and being 40. Yeah, living your best life. All right, that's all we have for now. We're coming back with a, another standalone episode. And uh, that'll, be, that, that'll be it going forward. We're going to be doing the X-Men movies in the near future, but this was a blast. Thanks so much, Kai. Big thanks to Kai Yanis for coming on to discuss 2007's Knocked Up and 2012's This Is 40. It's a sort of sequel, both written and directed by Judd Apatow, as we mentioned. Uh, This was an episode I've had in the works or planned for a while, so it was really fun to actually sit down with Kai uh, in between our two birthdays and actually dig into these movies, how they relate to our lives, and have a little bit of a mini-therapy session in the middle of our conversation about these films. Hopefully a franchise will see continue, but that's in Judd Apatow's somewhat less bankable hands, I would say, after The Bubble, which I referenced. Uh, So we'll see. I I can see him definitely going back to that. But as far as going back to things, we have uh, another standalone episode coming up after this. Brian Scuttle is going to join us to talk about uh, Fantasia and Fantasia 2000. And then following then, Brian Scuttle returns again to uh, help us kick off the X-Men mega series. So that should be a lot of fun starting on July 14th. We're going to be doing that uh, followed by a yet-to-be-determined mega series. So, But I want to know, what is your take on This is 40? Is this a movie you've even seen? I feel like the, the audience for this movie is... I feel like it's a film that doesn't exist as much anymore. I feel like when people talk about Judd Apatow, they talk about this um, 40-year-old virgin. They talk about Knocked Up. They talk about um, 
train wreck maybe maybe train wreck i don't know because that was kind of a big swing for amy schumer i feel like nobody talks about funny people very much i feel like nobody talks about this is 40 uh so what are your thoughts on this is 40 do you want to see another one of these films and how what what shape would you like to see that take let me know you can find me on twitter at crooked table the same handle on instagram via email robert at crooked like i already said what our schedule is going forward i'm doing this a little out of sequence out of uh out a little out of practice I guess let's put it that way, but uh, expect to hear a lot more from this feed in the coming future, uh, in the coming in the coming weeks. Very excited to dig into the mutants with you all, and uh, until then, get you the next stop, everyone. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of a little KED. KED, I'm in my house.